so often I get a spam email offering to make me a pastor for only $29.95. Well, it's too late. I already am one. But wow, could I have saved a lot of time and money instead of going to seminary and spending four years and thousands of dollars. Of course, you get what you pay for, and $30 is a lot to pay for three cents worth of inkjet ink and a ten-cent piece of paper fit only for the recycling bin. But there are times when a four-year seminary program is not an option, and we'll be looking at the different options today with Pastor Jim Butler. We also have our suggestion of the week and tips on increasing traffic to your congregation website. Picture this. You're a member of a church in rural Montana. Your average Sunday attendance is 12, less if the Schmitz are on vacation. But the nearest LCMS church besides yours is over 100 miles away. Your church is way too small to support a pastor. A man from your congregation would like to serve as pastor, but he has no seminary training. What do you do? Today on Lutheran Weekly, we have Pastor Jim Butler, who has some experience helping with those situations through the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's distance education programs. Jim, can you explain to me what programs Synod has to offer in distance education? There's really kind of two levels. There's a uh, seminary level, and there's going to be a district level. Okay. Each I can't say each district, but a majority of the districts have like a deacon training program. Okay. And that will vary from district to district a little bit, although it's getting to be more consistent across the lines. I imagine that's a good thing. On the seminary level, there is distance education leading to ordination. Uh, Wham Meyer gave us that name, and uh, also just known then as Delto. And the idea is there is that if for some reason it's we you can't go to the seminary, we'll bring the seminary to you. Okay. Now what? That's a thirty course program that goes over six years. Wow. What has happened is that the seminaries have turned the first ten courses over to the districts. And what is happening is that a lot of the districts then are adopting those first. 10 courses as the deacon training in their districts. Oh, sure. So that's bringing some consistency to training all across Synod. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. All right. So what uh, what courses are all involved here? Okay, there's 30 courses. Um, the first 10 consist of uh, Christian doctrine, New Testament, Old Testament. On a kind of a collegiate level, those three. Mm-hmm. Introduction to preaching, introduction to worship, introduction to pastoral care, um, basic hermeneutics, church history up to the year 1500. And there's one other course, and it escapes me offhand. <laughs> um, then you get to the seminary level, and there you get into your basic dogmatics one, two, and three, more work in preaching, more work in Old Testament, New Testament. Um, I think Isaiah is required. I think the Book of Romans is required. One gospel is required. And they carry it out on a very strong program. Hmm. So they don't have Greek and Hebrew then? No, though it's strongly required. I mean, strongly encouraged. Sure. Um, one of the problems, again, is that given the situation, sometimes it doesn't work for somebody to be able to a community college or something like that to pick up the Greek. Sure. In the first 
two pilot projects, Greek was required, but it just wound up being too big of a hurdle for too many men. Okay. So it wound up being dropped. Now in New England, we very, very strongly encourage it, and we have one of our pastors who will more than, more than happy to work with you and teach you. Matter of fact, I think all three Delta students in New England have uh, a good, strong Greek background. Really? Okay. My own argument is that they should know enough Greek to be able to use standard reference materials. I mean, I don't know many pastors who stand on Sunday morning, look at the text each week, and translate a fresh translation in order to preach that next Sunday. Sure. Maybe you do. Yeah. I don't. Um, <laughs> not on the fly from the pulpit, though. Yeah. But I don't know. Even in their, their sermon study, I don't know anybody who does necessarily does that every week. Well, I but do, we but need to know enough that's that what computers are for. <laughs> ah, <laughs> double click. <laughs> That'll work. But I think we need enough to know, be able to do a word study, mm-hmm. to be able to understand a commentary, to make uh, some basic sense of this thing. And to my mind, that's a level they need to be at. Sure. And my encouragement is one day that we will get there. Mm-hmm. Good. So how did you get involved in this program? Well, my last congregation, Trinity in Springfield, is the home of the district office. Okay. And I happen to be in my office one day, and the district president comes up to me, and he says, Jim, they're having this meeting about this uh, program for training pastors in the district. Uh, could you go to it tomorrow? <laughs> so that's how I got into it. Um, but on the other hand, it was interesting that I got asked, because ever since I left seminary, I wondered, do you have to have an MDiv in order to be a pastor? Could there be other models of training pastors that aren't nearly as heavily academic but are more practical? Uh-huh. You know, back in our synod's history, the Fort Wayne Seminary was the practical seminary. Sure. That was its idea. That's why it was started, to train pastors who may not know every nuance of theology. That was St. Louis, the theater- theoretical seminary. Uh-huh. That distinction died in the 70s to the 1980s. Sure. But I was always thinking that we needed another practical seminary. <laughs> so I was really kind of excited to be asked to get involved with this to develop that. Hmm. Delto started really in the 19, late 1980s, early 1990s in conversations with uh, the Fort Wayne Seminary and various districts. As it began to look at the situations, like you proposed, okay, we have churches out there that are too small really to afford a full-time pastor, we have men there who would like to be trained as pastors, but it's not real feasible for them to go to the seminary for whatever reason. And so out of this research, looking at this, is the residential model best for everyone, they concluded, no. No. How can we develop a new model? So the first two were done in... um, Southern District and Texas District, uh, they called that the latex. And the other group was in up here in the Northeast, really centered in the Atlantic District, really centered in Manhattan, so we were nicknamed the Manhattan Project. <laughs> oh, that's been going on longer than I thought. It's been going on for quite a while, um, about 10 years, I think, from formal kickoff. Really? Um, 
Um, what are some criticisms or misunderstandings that the program has, has had to dealt with, and, and how would you respond to those? One criticism I've heard is it's not academically credible because we don't require Greek. Okay. My response to that is that, um, no, we don't, but the Fort Wayne Seminary didn't require Greek for over 100 years. Um, are you going to say the the laymen who helped found the Missouri Synod were not qualified pastors? Because mm. that wasn't part of their program either. I don't think so. We worked very hard with the seminaries to make this academically credible. Um, the courses that have been handed over to the districts are now under, still under the the, the, the jurisdiction of the seminary. We have to follow their syllabus, follow their books. Mm-hmm. Um, the students have to be tested at the end, especially in Old New Testament and Christian doctrine, mm-hmm. in order, if they're going to go on to Delto, to be admitted to the seminaries. Sure. Uh, so we work very hard to make it academically credible. Uh, the other response I have to that, well, one person said, well, if I'm going to go to a doctor, I want a fully trained doctor. I don't want a halfway trained doctor. Uh-huh. And I guess that's legitimate, except for the fact that the last ten times I've gone to a doctor, I've seen a nurse practitioner. Yeah, that's true. And I see the Delta guys as really kind of nurse practitioners. Sure. They're trained, they're certified, they're able, but there's always another pastor around in case there's an issue that they say, you know what, I've got a question. How would you handle this? And then we can step in with our great expertise and say, I have no clue either. (laughs) Because a lot of ministry is experience. Sure. It's the experience knowing people. Uh, Another question somebody brought up to me is, you know, how would these guys be accepted as pastors by the other pastors? You know, they they haven't gone to the seminary, they haven't done the MDiv, they haven't done, you know, whatever. Would they be accepted you know, by the other pastors in the Synod. And I've never seen a problem with that. You know, if, if somebody's a good pastor, he's a good pastor. Right. Now, we may disagree with somebody on a lot of different issues, but if the guy loves his people, he's got the pastoral heart, mm-hmm. then we admire him and we accept him as a pastor. Conversely, I think we've all known guys who are jerks, <laughs> and we really don't care what letters they have behind their names. Sure. You know, they... We don't like them. And so I think a lot of that gets handled relationally, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially as I think they show a teachable attitude, an openness, a desire. And these guys really do that. Well, I mean, certainly, you know, uh, to sort of stick your neck out like this and uh, be willing to go through all this uh, oftentimes for... You know what seems to a lot of people as being well. You know this is this tiny little church. You're not really um, aspiring to much, or you know if you sort of look at it the way the world looks at it, um, you know it, it seems it seems almost ridiculous. Um, you know, of course, we wouldn't look at it that way, um, but there's uh, there's something to be said for for taking that step and and making that commitment. There's, and, and we try to set it up to help them with that commitment. Really, this is good for the churches, too, mm-hmm. because a lot of these guys are 
either close to or fully retired. Hmm. So the church doesn't have to worry so much about how do we pay this guy. Yeah. Because a lot of times that's taken care of. There is a um, retired military planner in Texas, Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh And he's also now teaching high school, and he's going to get ready to retire with a full pension from that in six years. He has a desire to do Russian ministry in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, He's a fully trained linguist. He just spent six weeks at the University of Moscow over the summer. And he's got this real heart for Russian-speaking people to bring them the gospel and to bring them that in the Lutheran faith. He's just—he's so Lutheran. It's—it's it's really funny. Hmm. Well, here it is. In six years, he's going to retire. He will be fully trained. He's not going to need a dime between his pension through the military and his pension through teaching high school. He's going to be taken care of, and he knows that. So he can really devote his time to mission and ministry, and not worry about income. And there's a lot of churches that would love to have a pastor. They didn't have to worry about income. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. So that was, he, he's like just a good example. In my current class in Christian doctrine, I have a retired MD. Uh-huh. I have a guy who has a Ph.D. in Mid-Eastern Studies. He's writing a book right now on the relations of Syria. He yeah. writes for an intelligence magazine. Um, but he wants to go back and be a pastor in the Lutheran Church of Sweden, huh. um, in the Mission Province, because he says they don't know the gospel. Yeah. Uh, and I was asked this question the other day, you know, about the theology of Karl Barth and Rudolf Bultmann and how that intersects with a confessional Lutheran understanding. Huh. Uh, I also have three lawyers. So they keep you on your toes, huh? Depending on the class, this group has kept me on my toes probably more than any other. <laughs> uh, at the same time, we have a retired uh, dairy farmer. Really? So you really have a cross-section there, don't you? Yes, we have a big cross-section. Huh. Well, you know, one thing that I've always thought of when I think about these distance programs is uh, the one thing that where I really learned a lot when I was at seminary is sort of between classes, during lunch and, and things like that, just talking with other guys and sort of hashing through um, some of these issues and and things like that. Um, and I, I wonder, is there some way to, um, uh, some equivalent in a distance program? We try to deal with that two or three different ways. Uh, number one, once a year, there is an on-campus time. So everybody flies out to St. Louis or Fort Wayne, depending which seminary is overseeing your program, mm-hmm. and you spend, I think it's a week on the campus. So you get to go to chapel, you get to use the library, you get to do the discussion with each other, and that's a very important time. Okay. Um, second thing is a lot of work in chat rooms and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now, I teach I teach over the Internet, uh, my classes. Right now, I have people from New York to Hawaii. And what's really interesting is this little text box down below and to watch the conversations going back and forth. 
Oh, yeah. Which often has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, so they get into conversations that way and get to know each other and, and, and correspond with each other and develop some camaraderie. The third thing is then what's going on in your local district or circuit. Uh, our uh, Delta guys, if they're able to, are invited to come to the circuit conferences, the Wingles. Mm-hmm. I know at least one of the Delta guys is going to be coming to our next uh, pastor's conference this fall. So it's very important to us that we uh, integrate them into the circuit, into the district, and to the, the other pastors in the area. Sure. Yeah, well, and there's definitely you know, something to be said for that, to, to have those guys around. You mentioned that, um, that each Delta pastor has a, a sort of mentor pastor or something like that. Yes. Is that right? You are required to have a, a mentoring pastor. That's great. So then if they have those kind of questions, they're not sure how to handle a particular situation or what they've always, always got somebody to fall back on then. And that relationship's developed a little bit more academically, too. Yeah. Because they begin a course by spending like a, a, a one day with the seminary professor mm-hmm. going through various things and then once a week meeting with the mentoring pastor to continue the course through the end. Okay. So that mentoring relationship is very important and it's very important for us to find really good pastors to do the mentoring. So who is this program for and who is it not for? It is not going to be for someone who wants an academic degree. Okay. We offer um, certification. Mm-hmm. You know, you get the theological diploma. The seminaries say you're you're fit for word and sacrament ministry in the LCMS. But if you want an MDiv, if you want to go get a PhD, this program's not for you because okay. there's no academic credit. It is not for someone who is younger. Um, if you are 22 years old coming out of seminary, I mean, coming out of college, we're going to tell you go to seminary. Okay. That's really where you should be. Um, we believe firmly that the four-year residential program is still the preferred route. Okay. All of us believe that. Uh, if we didn't believe that, we wouldn't have gone to seminary ourselves, and sure. a lot of us gone on for further degrees. Sure. Absolutely. It is going to be for someone who is older, uh, who has a desire, doesn't mind being a worker priest, because almost, I can't say almost all, but a majority of the guys coming out of this will probably be part-time pastors, worker priests. Okay. Um, It's for guys who have a real heart for ministry, but don't really worry about what the letters say. So there's, and it's for people who care about smaller churches that really can't afford someone, a pastor on their own. And it may be for somebody in a particular ethnic situation. Um, Again, uh, our guy down there in uh, Texas who's wanting to work with um, Russian-speaking people. Mm -hmm. There's, he's in a unique situation. Nobody else down there has his qualifications. If he's not doing the Russian ministry, it's not going to happen. Uh And every person entering Delto must have a church where he is going to work, where at the end he will be called, or a unique 
mission opportunity that will not take place unless he is there. Okay. And that is an absolute requirement. Um, I've heard a couple of situations where some guy went through as an associate pastor or something. I'm looking to make sure that that is nailed down. I think that happened a little bit in the beginning, but we're trying to make sure that doesn't happen. This is not for someone to be an associate. This is not to build your staff. Um, this is for unique ministry opportunities. Okay, so it's it's filling in those blanks that just absolutely are not going to work with the normal path. Absolutely. So is a a, a pastor who's who's gotten there through the Delta program, then would he be eligible for a call anywhere else? Yes. They are fully rostered on the LCMS roster. Okay. Where can people learn more about these um, programs? If you know if someone's listening to this and says, you know, boy, we could really benefit from something like that, um, where should they go? For the full Delta program, the seminary websites will both give you all the details, the full curriculum, everything. If you're interested in a district deacon program, contact your district office and they'll put you in contact with the right person. Uh, if you're interested in just taking classes for fun, you can check out uh, the website of the Mission Training Center, missiontrainingcenter.com, and there's all the courses listed there. Currently, Mission Training Center works in conjunction with Concordia Bronxville. The leadership advancement process of the Northwest District works in conjunction with Concordia Portland. And those two programs now have a partnership so that um, to train guys online throughout the country and Canada. So these classes are also available then for, like, say, somebody doesn't want to be a pastor but really like to take some a uh, few classes just to to grow in their understanding would it be available to them absolutely uh, the first 10 are kind of open to anybody okay. uh, i say there's three outcomes that can happen um, here in the new england district well actually four um, if you're interested in delto this is your first 10 you can go all the whole way mm-hmm. uh, if you want to be a, a deacon in your congregation once we finish the policy manual um, you can take the first 10 and do that. That's for the men. Mm-hmm. Uh, for men or women, we offer a parish assistant, which would be kind of like an ECE or DCO, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically the same courses, but you don't take how to preach. Right. You don't have women preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's people who just want to take the course for fun. I've had a couple of people who said, Taking a class in Old Testament or New Testament, um, to know more. And so they've taken the chance to take the class. Hmm. So are, they, are there any other uh, projects unrelated to this that you're working on that you'd like to mention? Oh, that's more than enough. <laughs> One thing I'll say has been exciting about Delto for me and being involved with this has been the guys who started Delto uh-huh. and have really caught on to theology and gotten really excited and said, you know what, this is a great program. I thank God for it, but it's not enough for me. Huh. I want to go on. And I'd say over the time, we've somewhere between a fourth and a half of the students have gone on to seminaries. Really? We've had a, a lot of them. One guy lost his job. 
and uh, he started out the program, and he was doing real well. He was just a, a real good student, and um, uh, they were doing a downsizing at work. And he took the, the buyout, and he said, I'm off to St. Louis. Huh. Went and did the seminary work and just whipped right through it. So it's been a real exciting program for me to be part of, um, and I and I think it fills a real need in the Synod. I think it works shows a wonderful partnership between the districts and the seminaries, that the districts are able to identify mission opportunities or congregations that need uh, to have um, a pastor but couldn't afford someone full-time, uh, work to identify men who can fulfill those roles. And yet at the same time, the seminaries do their job of training, uh, formation, and ultimately certification for ministry. So I think it shows the partnership between the districts and the, and the synod and the districts and the seminaries in a very real, um, really blessed way. And now it's time for the product, the product suggestion, suggestion of the week. This week's suggestion is a Bible overview curriculum for 5th and 6th grade. The Lutheran Church of Australia has According to Plan, which is distributed by CPH, and it is excellent. I highly recommend it. But that is only for one year. For churches that have a two-year program, the only similar program they can offer the alternate year is God's Action Plan, which is way too difficult for 5th and 6th grades. The target grade for that curriculum is 8th grade. So somebody write a curriculum to go over the stories in the Bible, like 25 stories, maybe different stories or not the same exact stories anyway, of according to plan. There could be some overlap, obviously, with the cross and things like that. So, And then tie it in with the catechism, and make sure that the cross is tied in with every episode, especially in those Old Testament lessons, so they can see how this stuff applies to the cross. You do that, and I will be your first customer. Today's tech tip involves congregation websites. Most congregation websites are very static, updated once a year or less. They're also very limited in content, generally about three to six pages. If you want people to find your site using a search engine like Google, You'll need as much content as possible. Consider posting the manuscript or outline of each week's sermon, or post schedules or other information. With websites, it's not just about quality, it's about quantity. Now, if you want people to stick around, read, and come back, you'll need quality too. But quantity will help get the listing better in the search engines. Offering alternate media like a podcast will help you too, because you can be listed in other directories like the iTunes Music Store podcast directory. And from there, they can find your website through a link. This podcast is brought to you free of charge. That said, my wife and I are hoping to adopt an orphan or two from Ukraine in the next year or two to give them a Christian home and are raising money to make that possible. If you'd like to help make that happen, you can make a donation, purchase through our affiliate links, or send us your used inkjet cartridges. You can find more information at www.myheartsjoy.com. And while any and all help is appreciated, you are under absolutely no obligation. I'm happy to make this available to all regardless and appreciate you listening. Thank you. Next week on Lutheran Weekly, we'll feature an interview with Pastor Richard Jordan, creator of three hymnody projects on Jordan's Banks, the Lutheran Hymnal Midi Project, and Gesangbook.com, which is dedicated to translating old Lutheran hymns for use in English-speaking churches. Well, that closes the book on another Lutheran Weekly. Remember that you can post comments on our forums at lcmspastor.com slash forum and ask questions of upcoming guests. 
Your questions will be read on the air during the interview. If you'd like to leave a voicemail to be aired on the show, you may call 206-339-7909 to leave a message. Thank you, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.